Welcome everyone to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for joining us today from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. Twitter and Instagram, I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Dot com. Shout out to Waste of Talent for the music on the program today. The Flames wrap up the Pacific Division while a couple other teams take big steps towards wrapping up playoff spots. We continue our look through the NBA's postseason and a pretty potentially big moment in boxing coming up this weekend. That's all ahead. Thank you guys for joining us today. So the Calgary Flames have wrapped up the Pacific Division. Um, my first note to Flames fans is enjoy it. In If the rest of the season doesn't go well in 20 years, are you going to be telling your children or grandchildren about the time the Flames won the Pacific Division in 2022? Of course not. If you buy a Flames Pacific Division champion shirt, I'm probably going to make fun of you at some point. But for now, there's just not a hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about with this team for a while. And so I understand the, it's only the first step in the journey, man. Just fucking enjoy it, man. Like, just, it, it's been a great season for the, the Flames. And... There haven't been many of those. And when they were, either A, they ended in spectacularly horrible fashion, or the back half of the season wasn't that good anyway, and you just, like, you only got a couple of good months of fun. This has been legitimately fun for Flames fans for the entire season. So my first note, don't take this shit too seriously, and just enjoy the piss out of this, because this is, it's, it legitimately is quite fun. In terms of what's next for the Flames, there are four games left for Calgary on the schedule. Uh, they got one coming up this weekend against a desperate Vancouver Canucks team. And then three, I believe it's Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, I believe. Um, either way, the, well, now I have to get this right. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, sorry. Um, what do we need to see from the Flames? Or what do we want to see from the Flames in the last four games? I think the simple answer is nothing. And to expand on that, nobody. I don't, I, I think that, I mean, A... Four games left. Markstrom should play in one of them. I don't know which one. Probably the the, uh, the Thursday one. No, I, I would go the Tuesday one. Um, I give him this game off here again. Go Vladar Saturday against Vancouver. And then Tuesday Markstrom. And then Thursday, Saturday, I would go with Vladar. And let Markstrom just take a bit of a breather. I mean, don't send him to Mexico or anything like that. But just take a bit of a breather. And I, I can already hear the, oh, well, you don't want to get rusty. As if this team's given a shit over the next week anyway. I would much rather him get rusty than him have to try to go post to post on a save because the defense in front of him couldn't give two shits. So, yeah, I'm sitting the dude for a little bit. He ha the, Again, we've talked about this before. There has not been a year in his professional career where he has played more games than he has right now. And I'm including playoffs in all of that. And you are hoping that dude stays ready for June hockey with the Calgary Flames. That is the air that you sit in or the, the air that you breathe when you are in the division winner category. So for Calgary, Markstrom, I think the, the most important thing is giving him some time off. And I would, I would try to see the way hockey rosters are set up. You can't just full on sit everybody, but all my scratches, the next four games are regulars. Um, 
I just, I want everyone as healthy and as rested for this playoff run as possible. Because again, we've talked about it. The way they kind of slept, sleep, I always wonder, is it sleptwalked? Sleepwalked, I think would be the proper way. Anyway, the way they sleepwalked through that Seattle game and then the way they did that with the Vegas game. They've come out here and they've played a couple very good games. But I, I don't think that they're going to lose any more sharpness by not playing than by half-assing it over the next week. So I'm letting Gaudreau have a night off. I'm not letting Kachuk having a night off. I'm letting Lindholm. Um, Tanev would probably kill you if you did, but I'm, I'm at least having the conversation with him. Uh, Rasmus Anderson, like all these guys, I'm giving as many guys as I possibly can as much time off as I possibly can to get this team ready. I am a firm believer in the, like, I would much rather risk it on the rust proposition and have my team ready to go than have someone on the Canucks or the Oilers take a run at a dude. And then, and I don't think anyone's legitimately going out there and trying to hurt people, but this is a contact sport. It's a collision sport. I want these guys as healthy as possible. Do I think this is going to happen? Of course I don't think it's going to happen. It's Daryl. There isn't a hope in hell that any of these... He's probably going to play Gaudreau more. Uh, so I, I don't believe that this is going to happen, but this is what I would do and I, what I would like to see from the Flames over the next week. As far as best case scenario, because now, I mean, we knew the Flames were in. We know that they are going to be one of two division winners, so they are going to take on one of two wildcard teams. Who would be the best case scenario? At this point... There are four likely scenarios for the Flames to face in the wild card. The Kings could still drop into that wild card, but golly, that would take a lot over the, the next four games from Vegas and Vancouver to have that thing happen. So I, I think the four likely teams are Nashville, Dallas, Vegas, and the Canucks. No one below Vancouver is getting into this fun. And again, I don't see the Kings dropping into this uh, wild card race. So of those four, I think very clearly the Canucks are fourth or are first, sorry. And we'll get to them in a second. I don't think they are very likely to get into that spot as again, we'll get to in a second, but the, the, the issue that you have with Vancouver is that Thatcher Demko gets hot for a couple of weeks. And I mean, ask Vegas about that from the bubble. But I, I still, with the flaws that I think Vancouver has, I would much rather the, the Flames play them. And I, I think the Flames just have such a, a talent edge over Vancouver. I think the high-end talent on Vancouver is comparable to what Calgary can put out there. But it just, as you go on down the line, it gets fairly one-sided from a, a Calgary perspective. I think up next in that group would be Dallas. I, I don't, I, I know that last time the Flames played Dallas in the playoffs, it didn't go particularly well. But... Uh, again, I, I view Dallas as this is kind of them hanging on by a thread in this whole thing. So I, I think that the Flames would have a pretty easy, not a, a super easy time, but in terms of the teams that are left, uh, I think that it wouldn't wear you out for the next round. And uh, I think it would be a nice kind of launching pad into the potential second round. The third team, or I guess second least likely, I don't know. The number three on this list of teams that you would like to see from a Flames perspective, I think would be the Nashville Predators, because we just saw Nashville is really good. Like, this is this is the thing, you're going to place a 90, at least a 90-point team, probably around 95 points by the time this whole thing is all set. Oh, definitely around 95 points by the time this whole thing is said and done. So we're, we're talking about good teams, we're splitting hairs here, but the way that Nashville can play that playoff style of hockey... I just, I really view this as a series that would take, like, it, it, the Preds would just take their pound of flesh. They, they really would. They, they would wear down the flames, I think. Not that it would be inescapable for Calgary 
to like get out of a Preds series and then go on to bigger and better things. But I just view the Preds as a team that would really wear on you and really wear you down. And you would be feeling the effects of that for the for however long your playoff series run would go. And then lastly, I have Vegas. I know it has not gone well for Vegas. And I know the last couple of playoffs have not gone well for Vegas. They are still, when they are at their best, the second or third best team in the Western Conference. I just don't want to deal with that. I really don't. I, I And again... That this isn't the Vegas that we are used to, but I just, I see that lineup on paper and what they can potentially do. I don't want to deal with that. So they would be the team that, from a Flames perspective, I think you would least like to see. So that is how I stack those up. As far as the rest of the NHL last night, that is a devastating loss for the Canucks. Like, it, it is one thing to get three out of a possible four on that back-to-back that they had with the one point that they dropped being to Ottawa, you can kind of explain it away. It's okay, well, whatever. But this was such a huge test against a Minnesota team that's really only playing for home ice advantage in the first round. And to get doubled up on like that, like that is a massive, massive step back for for Vancouver. And we've talked about how interesting this team is going to be going into the offseason. Even if they do get into the playoffs, I don't think it will be an extended stay for Vancouver. They The reason that Vancouver would be dangerous in the postseason is Thatcher Demko, right? Like, just full stop. He, he can... He has the potential to be the best player in a series, and that is a scary, scary proposition when you have to face it. But I think luckily for the Western Conference teams, that loss last night is just devastating. They're now four back with four to play, seven back of the Kings, so they're not getting into that Pacific Division spot. They're getting into a wild card spot. And again, Daryl Sutter brought this up a couple weeks ago. You're playing so you can get your asses kicked for four games in Colorado and then continue on your offseason. Like you're just you're delaying the inevitable. By just trying to squeak in. If you're Vancouver, I think Vegas. Oh, that is that is the series I want to see more than any. I want Vegas to get into that last wild card spot so we can get Colorado Vegas in a series. I think that would be phenomenal. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. People who are saying, "Oh, well, the Kings will fall off and Vegas comes into this." Eh-eh. The Kings are hanging around now. I'm not saying that they're going to make it past the first round. I think that that would be a pretty easy series win for Edmonton. But like we discussed, this has been a team that's been at a talent disadvantage in a lot of matchups they've played. Last night would not be one of them. They're a better team than Chicago. But just having one more injury, this is a team that has battled all season long. It's an impressive job that they've done to get to 94 points. But I think everyone who was assuming they were just going to fall off was sadly mistaken. I, the Kings are the Kings are in at this point. I feel like the Kings pretty well locked in five points clear of Vegas for uh, the the last Western Conference uh, spot. I guess also for the Pacific Division spot as well. Either way, I think the Kings are in. Other things from the NHL last night. I am not taking the Pittsburgh Penguins. Seriously, enough. They put up a four spot against Boston and pick up a a shutout win. They are probably ah Washington's right there. Not they're just jockeying for position in the East at this point. Everyone has clinched, but this is a team that once again is going to be at a hundred points. They have a goal differential right now at plus forty three. They have Sidney Crosby who's still really good. They have this kind of last dance potential to them with Evgeny Malkin being a free agent at the end of the year, and who knows what he's going to want to do. This is a very talented Pittsburgh team, and I I do not give them enough credit in terms of um, being a potential threat in the Eastern Conference. Could they beat the Rangers in the first round? Totally, they could beat the Rangers in the first round. Then they would get probably Carolina in round number two. They could beat Carolina. Like, this is a team that I think, at some point, I think they stumble. But I I think they have at least the potential to beat everyone in the Eastern Conference. And that's why I think the Eastern Conference race is going to be so interesting. I, I 
I, again, speaking of taking teams too lightly, I really don't view Washington in this light, but the other seven teams I can legitimately see beating everyone and making it to the Eastern Conference Final. And I know there's going to be the Toronto jokes, but whatever. Like, that, they're an extremely talented team. Florida's goal differential is just so far ahead of everyone's. They haven't really done it in the playoffs, though. So I just, there's... There are so many different options coming out of the East. I don't think there is a runaway favorite as much as the the standings may lead you to believe. And that's, again, taking nothing away from Florida. As far as the Leafs are concerned, they get taken to the woodshed last night by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that is a worst-case scenario matchup for Toronto. And it, it might be that one. There's still five games left for both Boston and Tampa Bay. The Bruins just three points back of the Lightning. I understand there's kind of a thing there with Toronto and Boston. If I am a Leafs fan, I am praying to every hockey god that I get Boston instead of Tampa Bay in the first round. Tampa Bay, I feel, at at their best, is just kind of a souped-up version of Toronto. Like, everything Toronto does and is about Tampa Bay is just better at it and they've done it at this level where the Leafs rather infamously have not so that just seems like a nightmare issue for Tampa Bay at least with Toronto against Boston you have kind of a stylistic difference that you can hopefully rely on to win four out of seven and move on but that just I think last night really drove home the fact that that would be a disaster for the Leafs if it was round one against Tampa Bay. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent. Thanks is where the A's would be. And you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. All right, the NBA, the uh, big story over the last couple of days for this podcast was the Toronto Raptors loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. There is not a whole lot that you can say. Toronto battled, Philadelphia matched them, and once again, Philadelphia had the best player in the series, Joel Embiid. My one thought... Okay, I have several thoughts, but the big thought to come out of this, you can't let Embiid have that. Like, like it's just... Odds are you're going to, I mean, he's bigger than everyone, so you can just toss him the ball. But with .9 left, it's a little bit different. I hated that play call. I I thought there would be something at the rim for him, and I think that maybe is why Achua was a bit of a, a step behind. He let himself get screened on that, but I think he was expecting a roll to the basket for Embiid and a lob for an alley-oop, so I think that's why he was a little bit off of that. The one that I really didn't like was Gary Trent Jr., who was just kind of in no man's land. And he, just looking at it, I think his guy was Niang, and he was kind of on him, but then also not close enough to him that they, if they would have passed Niang the ball, that Trent would have been able to either jump the route and steal it, or be able to contest it in any meaningful way. And the way that Philadelphia ran their action, I honestly, I really didn't like the play call. It just worked because Joel Embiid made a shot. But the the old Stan Van Gundy write the story before the, the shot goes in, I, I, truth be told, didn't like the play call one bit. It just happened that Joel Embiid made that bucket late in the game. And again, bigger discussion about Joel Embiid being beyond the three-point arc with games on the line as they, I mean, it shouldn't have been the case at the end of regulation. It shouldn't have been the case in overtime. It just happened to work once. So let's not let the results get in the way of bad play calling. But the way that Philadelphia set it up, you had 
I believe it was Harris, was on the far side with Niang, and you had Siakam right there with him. If the pass is going to Niang or Harris, the way it was set up, Siakam could have defended either of them. I would have much rather, as soon as those guys are floating out wide, Trent just kind of collapse on Joel Embiid as well. The, the focus of that play needed to be Joel Embiid can't catch the ball. If Tobias Harris or Niang hits the shot that ends up beating you, whatever, man, it happens. Sports is weird sometimes accept it and move on but to to let Embiid get a catch and an open look at a shot with 0.9 seconds left on a shot clock like, like you just you can't let that happen you can't let that happen in overtime so it's a, a disappointing loss and obviously one that essentially ends the Raptors season do I think they win game four I think they definitely could there were a couple of instances where you could see they clearly missed Scotty Barnes. The fact that they really didn't have anyone who could stay in front of James Harden was, I think, a bit more of a bigger issue in this game. And I was the one who was saying just guard Harden one-on-one and live with the consequences. So I guess that's that. this is us living with the consequences of that. But that was where I thought that they really missed Scotty Barnes. But overall, like this was the best game Joel Embiid has played in the, the biggest spot anyway. And he's played some great games in big spots. But this was, this is a man on a mission right now. I really don't like how some of the other 76ers are playing. I really think Doc Rivers might be the most overrated coach in the history of the National Basketball Association. But I, they're like Joel Embiid is just on a different planet right now. Couple of Raptor notes. Um, Siakam, I think, needed to be maybe a bit more involved in this. And the real shame of a lot of this is this eventual rather lopsided series loss for the Raptors is going to overshadow what I think is the best we've seen from OG Ananobi. And we'll have plenty of time for a, a Raptors postmortem coming up probably next week. But um, th- there's at, at least a couple of bright signs from some of this, and I think OG Ananobi is is definitely one of them for Toronto. Let's run through what else we have seen from the playoffs in the last couple of days. We will start Boston against Brooklyn, and again, just a phenomenal performance from the Boston Celtics, and this time they do get it done defensively. Um, and offensively as well. And the the shame of it for Brooklyn is that I thought this was where their depth actually stepped up. Brown had a good game. Drummond was making some impact on this game. Dragic had the best game he's had in a couple of seasons. Um, Seth Curry is out there making some threes. I thought the depth really stepped up for Brooklyn. I didn't see enough Kevin Durant in this game. And this is not a, oh, is Kevin Durant a choke artist? Kevin Durant, if the Aliens came down and were looking to take over Earth. Kevin Durant is my first overall pick. No questions asked. Um, I just thought he was average in this game, and they they need him to be great to beat this Boston Celtics team. And credit Boston, it was, again, like Tatum had a good game, but it was Brown stepping up in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown was exceptional in this basketball game. And it was just, it was so many plays coming off of this smothering defense and turning turnovers into points. We saw that in a few of these games actually over the weekend or over the last couple of days, sorry. Every day feels like a weekend when you're me. Um, But again, excellent performance from a lot of players on Boston. And then down the stretch, one last note here, down the stretch, it was too easy to get buckets for, for Boston. The Brooklyn defense really fell apart late in this game. And that led Boston kind of run through um, everything that uh, Brooklyn was doing. Sorry, uh, distracted. As I'm recording this, I know this is the NBA portion. As I'm recording this, Robin Leonard is out for the season now with surgery. So that, 
I will stand by my who do I want the Flames to play rankings, but it changes it. it it's it makes things just a little bit more difficult for Vegas and for a team that has been so aggressive in trying to build a super team. I'll be interested to see what happens this offseason if things continue down the path that they have taken in Vegas. Chicago taking on Milwaukee. This is now and forever will be the DeMar DeRozan game. Um, I don't know, like, what was... Ah, Gus Johnson was trying to get, like, some nickname over, but uh, DeMar DeRozan was incredible. Just could not miss in the second half of this game. P quite possibly the best playoff game he has ever played. He was an, just in another zone. And he has been all season long, but this was kind of the defining Chicago Bulls DeMar DeRozan performance. And honestly, the defining DeMar DeRozan performance since he got traded from the Raptors for Kawhi Leonard back before the 2019 season. For Milwaukee, it just feels like Giannis can get to the paint on every play. And Brooke Lopez was kind of taking advantage of that late in this game as well, as Milwaukee tried to make a, a bit of a comeback late in this game. But that's that's going to be, I think, a problem going forward. Is that, and again, no one just has a Giannis stopper. Um, but I, I think that's going to be a bit of an issue for the Bucks. Is that, that there was just no way to keep those guys out of the paint. The Middleton injury is going to be, I think, an impactful one. But much like Demar said, look, I'm not going to shoot six of 21 or six of 25 or whatever it was um, in uh, again this series. Hey, he's probably not going to score 41 either. So. I still feel like Milwaukee is in control of the series, but that's a hell of a performance from Chicago as they now head home with the, the series tied at one. And also, like, this is going to be remembered, like I said, as the DeMar DeRozan game. There was contributions from a lot of guys. White has been shooting quite well in this series. Vucevic with a couple of, with a couple of big threes. Caruso was making some shots. Levine was making some shots. Their defense, aside from allowing Giannis to get, or just being forced to let Giannis make his, his way to the rim. I thought their defense played well. Caruso, again, distributing the ball. I thought Williams had a really good game as well. Like, there was just a lot of players who stepped up in this for Chicago, but the, the headline here is how great DeMar DeRozan looked in that game as uh, the series is tied at one. Memphis taking on Minnesota. The Timberwolves with a dominant first half. They had a 23-point... This is the um, advantage of watching these games, knowing what happens. They had a 23-point lead with 420 to go in the third. And watching that, it got to the point where I was like, I... Did I read something wrong? Did I miss this? Because I I feel like I remember Memphis kind of won this one without it being uber close. And then Memphis just took over. And it wasn't like, oh my God, this guy stepped up. It was just everyone stepped up. And there was a couple of guys. Like Bain hit some key shots. Um, Clark with a couple of offensive rebounds and some buckets in there as well. John Morant with some some great ones. But that is not a loss you can allow to have to happen for, for Minnesota. And I think that... That is where the Minnesota bubble just burst. Like, this has been great. This has been a fantastic story. But I think the story of this game for Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns was nowhere to be found after being kind of a dominant force in, in game two of this series. He needed to show up much more for Minnesota in this game. And this is what separates the elite from even just the great, is that they do it night in, night out. If Carl Anthony Towns isn't the best player on the floor, Minnesota doesn't have a hope in hell. And Anthony Edwards can be great. This was the, D'Angelo Russell finally showed up in the series. He was making some shots, but if Carl Anthony Towns isn't that dude, then this team's going nowhere in this series. Because John Morant, once again, was that dude last night, and he had some help with Clark. Um, Dylan hitting a couple of big shots late. Memphis just like, 
kind of outstar powered Minnesota in this game. They get a 104-95 win to take a 2-1 series lead. Dallas taking on Utah just blew up the Jazz. Like this is I I am so over it with this team now. That was a pathetic showing on the other night. Um was it last night or two nights ago? Either way, it all kind of blurs together. Either whenever it was, they should feel ashamed of themselves. Just a putrid, putrid effort all night from a Utah team against a Dallas. This Dallas Mavericks team should not be putting up 126 on anybody, even with Luka putting up 126, but let alone a team that stamp is on great defensive play. The Dallas Mavericks are attacking Donovan Mitchell, and I'm a Mitchell fan, but he is getting roasted right now. He comes up with a couple of big dunks that gets the crowd into it, but their best player offensively last night was Mike Connolly, and then Rudy Gobert once again, and I, I stood up for him with my Defensive Player of the Year awards, but they're almost playing him off the floor. Like, he's essentially just, like, a taller, skinnier Ben Wallace. Like, it, he, he can't do really anything offensively except for catch a couple of lobs. Anytime they get the ball to him on an offensive possession where that's kind of the focus, the possession just dies a horrible, slow death. And now defensively, he's trying to cheat off of guys so he can help on any drives to the basket because those are happening with great regularity because the guards can't stay in front of everybody. But he's cheating off to the point where... It's leading, leaving shooters wide open for looks from three. And in Utah's defense, Dallas is hitting fucking everything right now. Like, it's just they, they cannot miss in this series. And at some point, that's just a little bit frustrating. But when you don't help yourself at all, it's tough to think too, or to, to feel too frustrated for you. So I, in the middle of watching this game, I was just, I was like, blow it up. Mitchell, gone. Gobert, gone. You can probably get something for Bogdanovich, gone. Clarkson, you could get something for him, gone. Maybe a late first for O'Neal, gone. Like, I'm just, I am completely starting, I'm moving the franchise, uh, like just everything. I'm starting from scratch. It is very fitting that the jerseys that were leaked for them next year are the most basic, ugly things that you could find because A, that's kind of their defense right now, and B, that's where they should be starting from next year, just the ground floor, black and white jerseys, throw some highlighter on there just to make it feel kind of cool and hope that you trick a couple of kids into spending money on what's going to be a god-awful team for a while, but at least they're not going to be god-awful with expectations. So as you can see, I'm kind of over it with Utah. For the Dallas Mavericks, like I said, they're just hitting everything from three right now. Brunson is playing out of his mind. The confidence that he is playing with right now is incredible. Finney Smith with a couple of big threes. Kleba just can't miss right now. Davis Burton's getting into the act a little bit. It's It's been impressive to watch from Dallas so far. But again, the main story is how bad Utah should feel for how bad they're playing right now. <sighs> Golden State taking on Denver. This series is over. Uh, Golden State with a 3-0 series lead. They go on a 9-2 run to close it out. The, the main thing for me from this series is Aaron Gordon. This was supposed to be, like, this is your time to show that you could be, like, something in this league. That this team is dying for a second player to step up that isn't Bones Highland. And Aaron Gordon is just, like, firmly planting himself as, hey, I'm going to be the fourth best guy on a championship team. Maybe. Like, and he, he showed up in this game for some stretches, you know? And it was when Golden State went to a zone and Jokic was able to draw some of that zone up a little bit higher so Gordon could sneak behind. Like, Gordon had an okay game, but they just need someone to step up right now. And for Golden State, like, the biggest controversy around the, the Warriors right now is what do you call this lineup when you have pool out there with the regular starters for for Golden State because they already had the death lineup a couple of years ago I think you call this one the death pool 
personally, but that's just me. Golden State is running away with this one and setting up for a crash course with the Phoenix Suns whenever that series may happen. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Just a quick note from boxing for a fightin' Friday. As Tyson Fury is fighting this weekend, he has hinted that he would retire at the end of this fight. There is an incredible movie to be made off of uh, this guy's career when it's all said and done. And again, do we agree with everything that he has said? Of course not. But when you look at the journey this man has been on, where he was a highly touted fighter and then kind of got toward the top of the mountaintop and then... um mental issues, mental health issues, sorry, and different, a bunch of different issues that he had. He ends up ballooning to 400 pounds. He's depressed. He's thinking about suicide. And all of a sudden, something just flips in him. And he works his way back to not only like ring shape and being able to get into the ring to be the best heavyweight of this era, this post-Klitschko era, and I, I will say probably of the Klitschko era as well. We can just kind of lump that in. Um, Fury, it, it's been incredible, the, the journey that his, he has been on, and it would be a shame if he does retire because there's still some fun stuff to do in the heavyweight division, and he has been a big part of revitalizing the heavyweight division, and now he's fighting on pay-per-view coming up this Saturday against Dillian White in what is going to be an amazing moment for him. And if this is the victory lap tour for, for, for Tyson Fury, then kudos to him. And if he wants to go out on his own terms, kudos to him. Selfishly, there's still fights that I want to see. The, the trilogy with Wilder was phenomenal. We still got to get that Anthony Joshua fight, though. And I think there's going to be a lot of money that could maybe help make that happen. Although Joshua is, I think, more to blame than a potential retirement for, for Tyson Fury. But it's going to be an incredible story when all is said and done for Tyson Fury to reach some high levels in boxing, have your brain kind of convince you that you are not worthy of that status, and then to treat yourself as such, to work your way out of it, because that is not an easy hole to work your way out of, to work your way out of that hole, not only to just get back to respectability, but to get to legendary status is the stuff that motivational speeches are made of. An incredible, incredible story, and we'll see the next chapter written in that one. Um, I like Tessin Fury in this fight. That's not a a hot um, hot take or anything like that. He is, I think, minus 600 as we are recording this right now. I like Fury by knockout at minus 160. I believe him by decision is plus 220. So if you feel like maybe... Um, Dillian White's chin is going to be able to hold up for 12 rounds, then by all means go for it. But I, I think Tyson Fury gets this one done without the judges being required on Saturday afternoon. Lastly, we got a big win on Wednesday's show, so it is time for today's 
ticket. Once again, we got four on the ticket. Um, had a fifth one, but I'm recording this a little bit too late, so uh, unfortunately you are not getting my fantastic noon play of, um, I believe it's the Cubs over the Pirates in the first five. Um, so let's go into what we got for tonight. Uh, we got the Cardinals, minus 125 on the money line against the Cincinnati Reds. Steven Matz is going for St. Louis, and it has just been a real struggle for the Reds at this point, so I'm, I'm going to assume the Cardinals continue those struggles. The Heat, minus one and a half against the Atlanta Hawks. Again, Atlanta is at home, and the Fortress was an incredible place for this team in their playoff run last season, but I think we saw the best from Atlanta the other night, and I just don't think their defense can stop Miami. I think Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and Hero and Robinson and Anabayo are going to thrive on trying to silence that Atlanta crowd, so I, I love the value of only needing to get a point and a half with the Miami Heat. I got the Bucks minus 145 against the Bulls, Again, concerned about the Middleton injury, but I think this is going to be the big Giannis game of the series where he just kind of reminds everyone, hey, uh, I'm still here and I'm, I'm still better than everyone out here. And again, another one that we get a bit of value because of... Um, because of an injury. Booker is out. I like Phoenix on the money line, minus 125. It's a very chalky card today, but I feel like we're getting good value on some teams that there's a situation that is scaring some betters a little bit, but I, I still like the teams that we are getting on this one. So Cardinals on the money line, Heat minus one and a half, Bucks and Suns money line is today's ticket. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Spring into action with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions this spring and get 10% off your booking when you call 403-274-3998 and mention spring promo. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you hear this in time, I'm going to be at the Calgary Expo today at 4.30 for a wrestling panel. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've never done anything like this before. I am so excited. Uh, so thank you to the uh, One Fall Pod for bringing me on there and the Fresh Take Network for having me on with those guys uh, today. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys next week. I'm out. Have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs>